All right, so this is, it's not a light message. I think the Lord's really been working with me and wrestling with my heart over the last few months in terms of what message to bring. So I really bring it to you in humility, and I see it as something that'll bring hope and bring freedom to everyone here. So please take it as that. Thank you. All right, so we're going to start off. What I'm going to ask you to do is take a moment, close your eyes, and ask yourself this question. Am I really saved? So depending on your answer, it might be, what does it mean to be saved? It might be, I think so. It might be, I hope so. It might be, yes, without actually even thinking of it. Almost an automatic reaction. It might be confident, yes. But also, I'm going to ask you, is there anyone that you know that might not be sure of whether they are saved or not, and they can't confidently answer that question. Am I really saved? Because if any of those answers were for you, which I think actually should cover everyone, <laughs> because I think we all know someone or we are we're not 100% sure, then today's message is for you. Good. So, morning to everyone. Those who don't know me, my name's Trevor. I think I know most of you, and those that don't know me, you'll probably know more of me very soon. <laughs> yeah, I just want to thank, I've obviously been at Josh Jen, I'm married to Charmaine Bailey, my awesome wife, Woo-hoo! <laughs> and I'm supported here today with my awesome daughter and son-in-law, Tanya and Ollie. <laughs> and I've got two other children, Michelle's actually busy serving in kids' church with uh, my two grandkids, and then my son's busy working. So we're a family, but we're part of this family as well. All right, so the answer to the question, I mean, if you had to ask me, am I really saved? Do you know if I'm really saved? And the answer is, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if you're saved. In fact, no one will know if you're saved. You can come here every Sunday, and no one knows if you're saved. The only person that really knows if you're saved is God. God's the only one that knows you're saved. And... Deep down, and I'm talking really deep, deep down when you sit in those dark places, then you will know if you're really saved. So I think the reason why I'm bringing this message, besides God's put it on my heart and he's kind of wrestled it around and <laughs> broken my heart and into little pieces, but I'm bringing it because it's, it's a very serious message. It's literally, it's a message of life and death. It's life-defining. So it's not just when we die, it's how we live our lives. So it's a very important and a very serious message I'm bringing you today. Um, so we look, and I, if we look at Revelations 20:15, this is where we start off. So if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So what this says is there comes a time when you're going to have to face <laughs> the maker. You get to the end of your life. And you're going to be looking, is my name in the book of life? And it's either, it's either in or it's not in. It's, it's that simple. So the question is, is your name written in the book of life? So you might be asking, what does it actually mean to be saved? Okay, because it's not always that simple. And you may have picked up, heard some things. But what I want to do is take us to the source of truth. 
not YouTube, it's not Facebook, <laughs> it's not TikTok, but let's go, what is the source of truth? The source of truth is the word, it's the Bible. Let's go back to, <laughs> go back to what the Bible tells us. If we look at Romans 10.9, this is where Paul tells us. <clears throat> Simple as this. Simple. <laughs> if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All right. So the two key things there which you should be picking up is if you, it's an if. Okay, so it's not, everyone's not saved. Um, unfortunately, bad news for anyone that thought everyone's saved, you're not. <laughs> this is a big if. So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So first thing, confession with your mouth. You have to confess it. And very importantly is believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Then you will be saved. <clears throat> so I'll come back to that. There's two more verses that, because we also should not just look at one verse in isolation. I want to add two other verses there. So if we look at Acts 16, verses 30, and this, this is really amazing to me. Because um, I've been preparing this, this speech for a little while. Well, not preparing. I think God's been working it through my heart and <laughs> mixing it around. But this morning, this morning, literally before I came here, God put something on my heart. He said, you know that one verse? <laughs> that's the verse that's actually going to change it. And this is the verse. So this is the picture. Paul and Silas are sitting in prison. Okay? And there's a guard outside. And he's, everything's locked up. Fantastic. And suddenly, there's an earthquake. All right. Everything goes dark. There's a shaking. There's a rattling. The lights go out. The doors open. Now, the guard, the, the jailer, um, this is, he's in, uh, a Philippian jailer. He then wakes up. So <laughs> don't sleep on the job, lesson number one. <laughs> he wakes up, and he sees all these doors open, and he thinks, oh, no. You can imagine in the Roman army, if you fail like that and your prisoners get out, you, you've had it. So he does, he's about to do the honorable thing. He literally takes out his sword and he's about to fall on his sword and commit suicide because it's, it's the ultimate shame is actually to fail in your job. And he's about to do that and then he hears voices from inside the jail, inside the dark prison because he can't see. All he can see is open doors and they call him in. Come in, come in. So he comes in and then he can't believe it that the doors are open and people could have come out of prison. But there sits Paul and Silas, sitting in their prison. And he asks them, <clears throat> um, yeah, so he, he brought them out of, out of their cells and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And then they said to him, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And I think many of us have seen this verse before. But for me, two things popped out. And first of all, the last sentence, you and your household. Because nowhere in the Bible does tell us that we can, we can save people. Only God can save people. And it's a one-on-one -on -one contract <laughs> between us and God. We can't save our family. That doesn't happen. That's not the way God made it to be. Because come the end of the day, we're going to be facing him one-on-one. -on -one. So when I saw that, it said, you and your household. And I questioned that. I said, no. That doesn't look right to me. <clears throat> but
but it didn't take long to answer that one. I literally had to read the next verse. <laughs> because what happened, then the jailer takes Paul and Silas to his house, and they give the word to him. They, very similar to this, believe in, you, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. So he goes and gives the same word to uh, the people in his household. And what happens after that? Immediately it says the jailer <clears throat> and his family, they go off and they get baptized. So what this verse is actually saying, believe in the Lord Jesus. So it's not just you believe. You and your household believe in Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And I think the most amazing thing there, which really the penny dropped as well this morning, Philippian jailer, he's a Roman. He's, he's, he doesn't believe. He's a non-believer. And what does he do? By simply, at, at his lowest point in his life, literally, when he's about to kill himself because he's been the ultimate failure, what does he do? He steps in, into, what, into Jesus. And by doing that, not only does he give himself life, he gives his whole family life. Because what does he do? He sees, he sees what happens. He sees by believing in Jesus, there's life. And then he then brings them to his household. And what I saw there, and God showed me as well, <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> I've also been at my lowest point. We'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> but what is amazing, at your lowest point, God can actually use you to bring other people closer to him. And that's exactly what happened here. We, all of us here, are or have been at some point that Philippian jailer where we've got that opportunity through our own circumstances, <clears throat> as bad as they may be, It'll help. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, if you look around next to you, there's a Philippian jailer. <laughs> Everyone here has that wonderful opportunity of int introducing your family, taking that step forward and actually introducing your family to a life opportunity, a difference that is life and death. And the last verse I want to look at is <clears throat> the most probably well-known verse of the Bible, John 3.16, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And I think I've heard it spoken recently where it came, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that we can all have eternal life. And I've heard that. And it's actually, that's a lie. <laughs> it's the enemy's deception. It's not true. Because we only get eternal life whoever believes in him. That's the only way. It's the only step we can make. So out of those three verses, I think it's important what we can see. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And what is, what is confess? I think Confess is not just saying, oh, yes, Jesus, Jesus, Lord. Confess is, it's a declaration. It's what we believe. It comes out of our mouth. It's more than just a statement. It's a confession. It's a, it's a direction. It's a, a declaration more than anything. We are declaring today Jesus is our Lord and Savior. That is what's needed, a declaration of confession. And the second part, believing in our heart. Now, <laughs> I think... Most major religions on this earth believe that there was a Jesus and he came to earth. We believe it. We know this historical fact. 
and we believe he did some things and some people can testify to his miracles. But that's not the belief that's going to save you. The belief that's going to save you is that, that deep belief that affects your understanding. It, it literally changes who you are. It's that belief where you take whatever I think, whatever I believe, whatever I am, and I take that out of me and put that over there. And I believe in Jesus as the one that he's going to come into my life. And he replaces everything that he thinks and he is and he wants to be in my life. That is the belief that will be saving you. And it's that deep belief. So leading on to my story, which I was talking about early, I think I was, I was privileged um, in that I grew up in a family that um, took me to Sunday school regularly. <laughs> And to be honest, they, we held Christian values. We kind of did the right things. We didn't really do bad stuff. I mean, and it's probably many of your story as well, that you, especially in this sort of area, we grew up in good families, hopefully. Um, but looking back now, I can clearly see that as I was growing up in primary school, even though I was going to Sunday school, I wasn't saved. Why? There was no confession. There was no believing. And to be honest, my life did not reflect that I was born again and that I was saved. We fast forward to when I was in high school, and you know, you start <laughs> getting into teenage stuff. I won't go into too much of that. <laughs> but heading down some of the wrong paths, um, and I started feeling that, you know, it's the wrong path when <clears throat> the next day you start feeling that sort of guilt and that shame. And you know that you've got a conscience inside of you and that conscience starts sort of nagging at you and you just know. Um, and to be honest, living a life like that, also, I was, I was arrogant, um, <laughs> self-centered. I think at that point, some of us can relate. I don't know if there's anyone, if it's just me. <laughs> and it was really all about me. And, but I mean, I also, I didn't do too many bad things, and I thought, you know, I thought I knew about Jesus, and I thought, yeah, okay, things should be okay. But I'm looking back now, I know I wasn't saved then. There was no confession, no believing, and my life definitely didn't reflect what a born again believer would be. So, skipping forward to later in high school, <clears throat> and now, I mean, subconsciously, there had been God was pulling me <laughs> without me knowing it. Um, and I actually ended up started going to church on my own in high school. And then I ended up going to the Assemblies of God, which was a good church in our local neighborhood at those days. And I specifically remember one service um, where I had an emotional experience. So, yeah, I think some of you may have experienced it as well, where literally it's praise and worship and there's a preach and you just feel like there's something that's coming on you. And it's, it's an emotional and there's tears and there's... And actually, I was, it's the first time I was actually shaken. I just felt, and I actually, I, I felt it as God was tapping me in the shoulder and saying, more like this. <laughs> and, and I was, I mean, I was in tears. And to be honest, I thought at that stage, hmm, this is it, I'm saved. <laughs> and the funny thing is, suddenly you go back to school and you start hanging out with some of the, the Christian people um, at school because it wasn't cool before that, but now suddenly things look a bit, yeah, you see a different perspective of things. Um, and I knew that God had his, his protection over it. He had his hand on my shoulder um, because 
my life didn't reflect that. Um, it was fine, and it's, but it's something, an emotional experience that wore off. And I started going down dangerous paths again. But I knew that God had tapped me on the shoulder and he literally had his hand on my shoulder. Because when I was going down dangerous paths and there were opportunities to get deeper and deeper into stuff that wasn't him, literally like pulled back and pulled back and pulled back. So I just knew that something was there, but I, I hadn't found it yet. I think what I've, what I've realized in hindsight um, is that living as a non-Christian in this world, okay, it's really, <laughs> it's an easy road, okay, because you simply do what you like. It's YOLO. Everything's cool. Um, people, you get lots of people like you. It's all cool. You just go with the flow. There's hardly any suffering. Um, immediate gratification, all the stuff. That's an easy road if you're living in this world. But it's an easy road, but it's a heavy load that you have to carry. And that load, it's, what is it? It's performance, it's shame, it's guilt. And literally we live a life that doesn't have any purpose. We're living for ourselves, but when we have bad times, what else is there to live with? So, and this is a heavy burden, and I've, I felt that, and I guess some of you must feel it, or must have felt it, or must feel it at the moment, that it never goes away. You can have your next thing, you can buy your next thing, you can do your next thing, whatever it is. That burden, that guilt, that shame, that purposeless, that meaningless is going to follow you wherever you go. It just doesn't go away. And that's that heavy load. That's the price that you pay for this easy road. <laughs> Whereas living as a Christian, born-again believer, it works the other way around. <laughs> Got bad news for you. <laughs> it's a hard road. <laughs> and things that, I mean, anyone, things, three simple things that'll tell you that it's a hard road. First of all, you've got to love your enemies. Okay. And that, whew. <laughs> the people that hurt you, the people that hate you, the people that are out to get you, it's those are the people, the worst of the worst, you've got to love them because that's what Jesus did and that's what he teaches us to do. And then secondly, even the people that you like, even your friends, even your family and those other people, they're going to hurt you. <laughs> but you've got to forgive them. And not just once. <laughs> not twice. The Bible tells us 70 times 7 <laughs> or 7 times 70. That's a lot of times. <laughs> So that makes a road hard. Love your enemies. Forgive them as many times as Jesus would forgive you, which is, there's no end to that. <laughs> and then another thing that makes the road really hard for you is that you have to take the role of a servant, which is very much, the world doesn't understand that. <laughs> Where I've got to, as Jesus came to the earth not to be served, but to serve. I've got to follow him and be like Jesus. And I've got to step forward and serve you in your needs as he served others. So that makes, that makes a very hard road. <laughs> but there's good news. <laughs> uh, that, that road is still it's marked with suffering, persecution, delayed gratification, and dying to yourself. It's a hard road. <clears throat> and Jesus tells us in um, Matthew 7.14,
lets us in on the, <laughs> the secret. For the road is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Okay, but there's good news. <laughs> the good news is our road may be heavy, but our load is light, and that's the beauty of it. Our, road is, our load is light because Jesus carries it for us, and we encourage to share that load with him regularly because he's there with us. And uh, in Matthew 11, 29, 30, he gives us that invitation. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the thing that stand out really there is rest for your soul. Rest for your soul. Amen. <clears throat> so going back to my story, <laughs> my worldly walk continued for a few years until it became unbearable. <clears throat> the problem is once God taps you on the shoulder and you've been introduced to him, <laughs> I've got bad news for you. <laughs> You're not getting away. <clears throat> and literally trying to live in two worlds, which is what I try to do, it actually becomes impossible. I went to church on Sunday, but to be honest, the other six days living in a sinful way, I had religion in my head. And I knew, as long as you go to church, it's all cool. <laughs> I thought that. Hello. <laughs> um, but it, it hadn't sunk down yet. It hadn't sunk to my heart and to my soul yet. <clears throat> then one day, one day I heard about this, this farmer. Now, and God was using him in miraculous ways. <clears throat> Sorry. I'll save it for next time. Thank you, Shane. I like that chain there, the chain of support. <laughs> All right, so, and I think this is, this is where my life changed forever. Because for me, it had been going to church and listening to someone preach words that I didn't really understand, um, and I tried to. Um, but then I heard about this farmer, as I said, who God was using in miraculous ways because he was simple, he was straightforward, he was down to earth. He spoke the language that I could understand and could relate to me. He didn't have a theology degree. Um, he was just someone that <laughs> Jesus has taken hold of his heart and he just had so much to give. So <clears throat> I think important there was, there was also a very real and vulnerable relationship. I mean. Uh, it was something that I'd been crying out for. I didn't want to come to church and, hello, how's it going? Good, fine, okay, see you next week. <laughs> because that's not, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to have real, authentic, vulnerable relationships. <clears throat> so I don't know how. God knows. <laughs> but I did manage to see Angus Buck, and he actually preached three times that I went to go and see him in short succession. And then I watched his movie, kind of was just prodded and prodded and listen, come on, your time is now, let's go. <laughs> I watched this movie, The Faith Like Potatoes movie shortly after that. 
And I don't know if any of you have been to see or have heard him before as well. He's got a simple mate. Okay, I see some hands going up. <laughs> Good. Um, and I, he's got a call for repentance and a call um, to open your heart. And that's where it happened for me. I can't say which of those times, but there was a repentance and there was an opening of my heart. And what happened was <laughs> my heart was broken. It was broken. I was broken. My whole life and everything that I'd seen before that is just gone. I just couldn't, couldn't see the world the way I'd seen it before because there was no longer one foot in, one foot out. It was literally, <laughs> hello, Holy Spirit, come in. And he just sank deep, deep, deep into my heart and my soul to the extent that there was literally <laughs> nothing anyone could do or say that would change anything. And I felt that freedom and I felt that release and that guilt was gone forever. And my life had, had changed. I suddenly had purpose and I could see life differently. And I knew that I can stand on this rock. There is a rock to stand on. was the start of an incredible journey <laughs> that's led me here to, to stand before you today and to share with you. And I can share with you, <laughs> in the preparation for this, you can imagine it's been filled with um, anxiety and um, excitement and terrified and you know what the beauty of it the Lord put on my heart this morning he said you know what he wants me to preach this with joy <laughs> that there is joy I mean it's, it's not a burden it's something just amazing that we can experience this and actually enjoy the moment stand here and smile and see people some of them smiling back at you <laughs> so I think the beauty of it because that was the start of the journey and God had put something in me because he had also placed some gifts in me. And every time I was able to use some of those gifts, I knew that my spirit was flying. And I mean, it was encouragement. When I can encourage someone, I literally, for me, that's like, wow, it's, it's one of the most amazing things. I mean, one of them was teaching. <laughs> so it's taken a few years. <laughs> it was about 15 years ago. So things don't always happen quickly, but God has his own time. <laughs> I think what's beautiful about that, he's got to prepare us for the right time, for the right thing. And we have to accept that he, it's his time, it's not our time. I think, just to let you know, which you, anyone that knows me knows I'm a long way off perfect. <laughs> and the road is still hard, and we literally do have our challenges. As we know, the road is hard. But I think what is beautiful is that I'm confident. I've got that ultimate confidence in what he's done, not only what he's done, but what he does for me every day. And at that point, I know, I can stand before you now and I can say, I've confessed with my mouth and I've believed with my heart. And like Job says, I have an unshakable belief. He says, though he slay me, I will hope in him. I can stand on that before you today. Amen. <laughs> so why did I share this with you? <laughs> 
besides get the heart going. <laughs> because it's a serious matter, as I said earlier. It's a matter of life and death. And it's very important that you can answer the question, am I really saved? Not like I thought I was saved. So how do we know? How do you know if you're really saved? So the Bible, the source of truth, <laughs> not TikTok. <laughs> we get some guidance in the book of Galatians. Okay. And this will kind of indicate or give us some idea of what does a worldly unsaved life look like. So in Galatians 5, 19 to 12, we read, Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So just go to the first one again. Oh, okay. So I think this is the list of the gardens, let's just say. If we're seeing in our lives that these are some of the things that are coming through again and again and we're not feeling anything for them, there should be a, a red flag or an alarm bell. If it's one of them, two of them, I think as a Christian, as I said, we're not perfect. But if we start seeing any of these coming through in our lives, we know that this is what the world looks like. This is not what life in Jesus looks like. But what's beautiful is that the Bible balances it out for us. Because what does it look like when we're walking in the Spirit? And we go to Galatians um, 5.22. The fruits of the Spirit. And what's beautiful about this, it's a fruit. So it's not something we work towards trying to achieve. It's not something that we, that we earn. We don't have to do anything for it. But actually what it is, it's the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. So we don't have to do anything. It's not we can, okay, I want to be more loving. I want to be more um, patient. I want to be more peaceful. That's, that's not how it works. <laughs> you can try to do that, but that doesn't mean anything. Because when the Holy Spirit's working in you and you're living in a life of the Holy Spirit, these things just flow out of you. So it's love. Joy. Here I am, joy. <laughs> Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So no one knows if you're really saved. But as I said, God knows and deep down you will know. <clears throat> So I really, today, don't want to let one moment pass us by. Because if any of those things on the other list are prominent in your life, or if you know of anyone that's like got some of those things showing, or if there's been no repentance, there's been no, oh, sorry, no confession, no believing, there's an opportunity today. The kingdom of heaven is here. And to be honest, even if you think you're saved, <clears throat> there might be something that I've said today that might just cause a little prickle. Maybe there's just, maybe I, I thought I was sure, but maybe I'm not sure. So I think really what I'd like to, us to do today is, what I'd like to do is break that bondage. If there is that nagging feeling and we're not sure, we don't want that. That's not of God. 
There must be no nagging feeling. We must be able to be confident, 100% confident, that if this is our last minute of life, we can stand and say yes, absolutely. And to be honest, the enemy loves this. <laughs> as soon as there's like a little strand and says, yeah, but you know, on that first list, I saw some things that maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm around there, and then the enemy starts playing on that and saying, listen, yeah, you see, you see, you see. So what, what I'd like to do today is close that door. Don't allow the enemy to keep on that. Don't allow the enemy to deceive us one more day. <clears throat> because, good news for you, if you grew up in church, you may not be saved. <laughs> if you do good things to people and you don't do too many bad things, you may not be saved. <laughs> if every single person in your whole family is saved and you live a good Christian life, you may not be saved. <laughs> And to be honest, if you're in our praise and worship team and you play like a rock star or you sing like an angel, <laughs> you may not be saved. If you were baptized as a child and maybe you said a few religious words, you may not be saved. So how do you know? <clears throat> you know. <laughs> you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. <clears throat> You have an encouraging, guarding, loving, protecting, warning voice in your head. Your spirit comes alive when you connect with God and when you connect with God's people. Your life will reflect not perfection, but it will reflect that humility and that confidence that comes with being saved. So what? <laughs> After all that I've said, you should be asking the question, so what? <laughs> well... The consequences are massive. You might be deceiving yourself your whole life, only to be dis bitterly disappointed at the end when it's too late. If I had never had that opportunity at that point in time, who knows? It might have been too late. <clears throat> so this is a very real and very serious matter. But there is freedom. There's freedom in Jesus. So what now? Now's the time to be courageous. Okay. Now's the time to stand up and fight all those voices in your head and all the traditions that are saying to you or saying to me, have said to me, I'm okay, I think. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm okay, I think. But to be honest, now's not the time to think. <laughs> it's not the time to maybe. Now's the time to be 100% confident. In fact, Jesus tells us in Matthew 7.24, he says that everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So I'm going to ask Sean if it's okay with you, if I can ask everyone to stand up and join me. <clears throat> And I'm going to be asking you to close your eyes and just repeat after me. And I think what's beautiful about this is if you're saved, it's not going to hurt you, I promise. <laughs> and Sean assured me that as well. <laughs> but you know what? 
if you're not 100% sure, this can literally change your life. It can change your, the life of everyone around you. It can change everything. <clears throat> so I'm going to ask you to please stand. If you can close your eyes and invite you to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I declare today that I am a sinner and that only you can save me from my sins. I declare that you are the Son of God who came to earth to die for my sins. I repent of every sin I committed that kept me apart from you. I believe and accept in my heart that you have saved me. And I celebrate the freedom I have in you today. Amen. Amen. Freedom, you can be seated. Freedom is yours today. <laughs> sure. And I think the beauty of that is, as born-again believers, we know. So as born-again believers, we've experienced the freedom that comes with walking with Jesus. And I think I want to emphasize it's walking with Jesus. And once you're saved, you haven't arrived. Hello. <laughs> it's a walk that we literally go, we go with him. And what's beautiful about it, he's with us every step of the way. And there's two things that happen. First thing is, it gives us a personal mission. Okay, that's specific for me. If it's encouragement, whatever it is, he gives us a mission that he wants us to do as an individual. And for that, he gives us, equips us with gifts and talents that we can use as part of that mission, which is beautiful because that's in our walk with him. We learn more about him. He guides us, he directs us. And he points us to where he wants us, be it worship leader, whatever it is. I'll look at you. Um, but not only that, although each of us have got specific gifts and a specific mission, what's beautiful, he gives us as believers all one mission as well. And that's our core mission. And we read about it in Matthew 28, 19, where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And when I read that, the two words that stand out, all nations. <laughs> now that, those two words, it's either gonna excite you, <laughs> it's gonna terrify you, <laughs> or it's gonna paralyze you. So you're gonna fit into one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I've got good news for you today <laughs> because all nations includes all nations it includes people that are close to you it's everyone it's family it's friends it's anyone that is literally within touching distance so our one mission is to make disciples but it doesn't mean we have to go to the darkest reaches of Africa literally we called to there's a door. <laughs> that person standing outside the door. The person that's at home that you're not sure of. 
That's what this is calling us to. All nations is everyone. <clears throat> and what's beautiful as well is if you've been born again and you're saved, you've got a story. Every single person here has got a story. Got a story of what it looked like before and what it looks like going forward. And that's the story that we can share because none of us, and that's what God wants as well. He doesn't want one of us, one person not to be saved. He wants everyone to be saved, every last person. That is his heart. <clears throat> and I think nothing, nothing brings it more home than when you attend a funeral. And I'm sure you've all the last few years attended funerals and I can tell you there's two specific funerals I've been to over the last few years that that is the defining factor the one these are both good friends of mine um, the one in his life he was um, determined focused maybe a little bit arrogant maybe a bit self-centered maybe a bit ambitious and all those things that are driven and are already valued in the world, and he was very successful in the world. And I really got to meet him in the last few years of his life. And I saw what had flown through from his life, and then I saw that change when he met Jesus. <laughs> it was beautiful. Where previously people were scared of him, they didn't want to talk to him. They've, in fact, he probably made a few people quite angry. But when he, he met Jesus, his life changed. It was broken, and he became this person that everyone wanted to be around. They loved being around. And whenever he spoke, you could literally feel that love coming out of him. And it was a beautiful, beautiful thing that only can happen through Jesus. And when I went to his funeral, it was a beautiful funeral. It was one of those that it was a celebration. It was a celebration of life, knowing that, wow, Look, look at who you've become. Look at what you've done. Look at, look at what God's done in you. You actually, you haven't done much, but <laughs> look what God's done through you. And that celebration that literally you're gone for now, but we'll see you around the corner. <laughs> you're waiting for us in heaven. We know that you're going to be there. And that is such a celebration of life. And that's really, at your funeral, what would you look like that, like that to look like? Absolutely. And then I've been to another funeral. And this was also, he was a nice guy. He did lots of good things. He loved his family. But there were questions. Um, there wasn't certainty. The way he led his life, um, as I said, you can't tell. But I think there were question marks there. And I think that was probably one of the most difficult funerals that I've ever been to because you don't know. And. The thing that stood out there, and these are the words that were put in my heart, there were lingering doubts and regret. Lingering doubts and regret. You don't want that. You don't want that on your life. You don't want that on the people that you love, that one day you've got those doubts that just don't go away. Whatever someone tells you, there's a doubt there. And what comes with that is a regret. A great regret that you didn't, if you, you're the one of the people staying behind, a regret that you didn't take that opportunity to step forward and pray for them and share with them and love them and share Jesus with them and give them that opportunity. That is a regret that 
You carry that forever, unfortunately. <laughs> because we've all got that opportunity to make that, that difference, that life-changing difference in someone's life. We don't want those regrets. No. So, what do we do? <laughs> Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 9.22, he tells us what we do. <laughs> he tells us what he did. And that's a good recipe. <laughs> he was one of the, the greater ones. He says, to the weak, I became weak. That I may win the weak. I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. I mean, how beautiful is that? To the weak, I became weak, that I may win the weak. And that's building that bridge, reaching out to the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And then this is it. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Okay. I think just within that, the thing that, the danger in that, all things, all things does not mean we sin with them. <laughs> If people are in a depth of sin, we don't join them in that sin. If someone's heavy alcoholic, we don't start drinking to become friends with them. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we must be sinning to help other sinners. That's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about, if someone's in the mud pit and they're struggling there, what do we do? We go stand next to that mud pit and we lean down. We put out our arm. And we pray that they take that and pray that God reaches them in that mud pit, that they can come out of the mud pit because that's where God wants us to be. So, to finish off, so the challenge that I'm asking, I'm putting before you is to join me today, starting today, that if you've got any family or any friends or anyone that you know or come in contact with who is not 100% sure. Challenging you to talk to them, encourage them, so that you know, am I saved? You can confidently say, yes, I am saved. Amen. Thank you.